Hello, welcome to Day One Patch Podcast, episode 371. I'm your host, Ryan Johnson. Today, I got with me Tim Spence. How you doing? Hooray! Yeah, right. <laughs> Matt Lawrence. What's going on? Adriano, back for a second time. Yeah, straight record. See if I can go for a third. <laughs> uh, some of the top stories we've got this week are GTA on mobile. Was that? Uh, take take two, uh, who's GTA's parent company. Um, oh, you're reading purchased... the question mark. I was so confused. Yeah. <laughs> They uh, purchased uh, Zynga for quite a bit of dough. I think it was like twelve point three billion. That's right. Which I heard is like almost three Star Warses. It's double. So. It's almost double what Bethesda paid for. Uh, um, or Microsoft, Microsoft paid, paid for, for Bethesda. Bethesda. That's crazy for a mobile uh, um, developer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy. Uh, Xbox One console production was discontinued back in 2020, and at the same time, we're just now learning that uh, Sony is increasing production of the ps4 because of the shortages with the ps5 uh sony is pulling playstation now gift cards from retailers and then finally uh got an update on ken levine's game this also follows a uh, story that came out about uh his development studio being in development hell which seems to be the case for a lot of uh, a lot of studios nowadays or maybe forever i guess um we're gonna start what's new anyone want to go first any takers yeah, Matt. Matt. Rick, Matt. Rick, what the hell? <laughs> why? Matt. Why is I like last? That was weird. Anyway, uh, doing a lot of Fortnite this week, uh, as as per the usual. I have not. I don't think I've touched Fallout seventy six in the new season. There's just nothing in the season that I want in particular, and there's no updates or anything right now. So I just kind of. Are you gonna miss it though? Are you gonna let it roll out? Yeah. Um, really? Like, because it's. I, I, I'm at that point I hit with Fortnite a few years ago where I'm back into Fortnite now and I want a couple of the skins, but I'm kind of at critical mass where I don't even remember what weapon skins and stuff I have in Fallout. So mm-hmm. it's sort of it's sort of at a point where I'm at a little past half of the the season, and it's like, what am I getting? Like, I don't even know what I'm getting at this point. I'm just sort of going through the levels and then grabbing everything. So I'll play it sort of socially if, you know, people are online or whatever, but I haven't, I haven't jumped on in a while. So I'll probably end up, I, I might miss it. I might, end, might not miss it. I seem to somehow catch up really fast. I don't know whether that's due to cheating. Due to, well, I think it's due to the XP boost I have most of the time. Yeah, that's for sure. For my build. So like, I think that helps like more than I, I think it does. So I don't know. We'll see what happens there, but lots of Fortnite. Uh, almost done the season there getting I got the Spider-Man skin going after a variant or two of that as well so that's good uh, that that game has been a ton of fun to go back to for sure and then I've been playing primarily actually like sort of the highlight I guess of the week would be uh, Ratchet and Clank uh, Rift Apart um, that game is like I'm pretty early in it I think still I've been doing a lot of the side stuff as it comes along there's not a ridiculous amount of side stuff it's more so you go to a planet and you like you're there to grab whatever item for the story and then another objective opens up and it's like hey this person needs help but it doesn't open up 15 objectives it opens up one maybe two or so at least on the planets i've seen so far so i've been playing the hell out of that and uh, i would say in terms of being a ra- like a lifelong ratchet and clank fan basically i would say that's a that's a 10 out of 10 experience for me so far it's really really well put together uh, I really, really like it. I really, really like the story. I like the new Lombax, uh, Rivet. And I like uh, I met a couple other new interesting characters, which I won't spoil. But that game's really, really good if you're a Ratchet and Clank fan and can get it cheap. Because I think I got it for... Oh, no, I got it for Christmas. But I think I think it was on sale 
I think I saw it in a flyer for like 30 bucks or 40 bucks on Boxing Day. So it'll obviously be, you know, around on sale on different sales like Black Friday and yada, yada. But if you can pick it up on even full retail, it's really, really well done if you're a Ratchet fan. And especially if it's on That's- sale, grab it. That's Insomniac, right? That's Insomniac, yeah. It always has been. They seem to be like the best at just making those kind of standard open world games. I know this this isn't really a state open world, um, but they just seem to like nail the basics, you know? Well, I, what, what's really interesting about this game is is that so in, in previous Ratchet and & Clank's, and the one I played the most was the second one, Going Commandos. So in previous Ratchet & Clank's, there weren't really many sort of, say, population centers. There was definitely repeatable objectives like arenas and side objectives like gathering uh, rarotanium or different crystals and stuff like that throughout the other games, as well as two maybe as well. I remember some sort of desert collection thing, but there wasn't really so much of like a like a city or a place to go. This game, even though it's it's largely the same in terms of how the environments are, where it's like more or less linear paths through sort of an open world, like you can go random places, but it's sort of like God of War in that it's more linear in a smaller open area. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there seems to be like more life in the environments. You actually go to a city and there's actually people running around and you can overhear them talking and it's, and there's uh, one arena I've found so far is rivet and that's in a bar and people are riding like the, the bucking bull ride and they're talking amongst each other. And I took a picture of a really sad looking sheep at, a, at the, uh, <laughs> at the bar, uh, stuff that like that bar is really cool. That bar is really cool. Yeah. So like stuff like that really makes it feel really alive. And I don't know what it is, too, but they they nail it with the story stuff. It's really, uh, to me anyway, it's really kid accessible, but it's also like I actually want to do the objectives, go find the parts for this gun, go do this, go do that. So the, the story beats are really well put together, but yet it's not it's not super complex. It's not it's complex enough for me to really enjoy it and want to be there as a as a Ratchet and Clank fan, but it's also not complex enough to say kick out the younger audience as well. Mm-hmm. There aren't really mature topics and stuff. And there's little stupid jokes, like even the the title of the game's a little stupid joke. And that's kind of it. So I I don't know, I really like it. Uh, I like how Dr. Nefarious is the is the enemy again cuz Dr. Nefarious is one of the one of the big I I, I would say series favorites, favorite uh, villains. So it's just really, really well put together and I'm really engaged in it. I wasn't super engaged in the remake, maybe because I watched the movie and I just kind of knew what was going to happen. But that one was weird, too, with the splicing in of the movie scenes. That was very strange. They were in a higher frame rate than the gameplay. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. just it felt weird. Like every time I played it, it was fun. I have no complaints against that. But but it was just one of those things that didn't bring me back. But this one just feels like. It just feels like a good revolution or evolution of the of the series, a good step up, and uh, especially on PS5 with the better the better frame rate and the better um, graphics and stuff like that. And I'm playing on at 1080p, of course, so I have I, I'm not I'm not a, even the highest you know graphic fidelity that it could be. But yeah, if you're a Ratchet and Clank fan, definitely I'd say definitely pick it up. It's uh, it's well worth it, and the new characters are not intrusive, which I thought they'd be. They're actually really good. So that's uh, that that's been my week. Nice, Tim. Yeah, I um so I'm back to streaming again. Uh like I said last week and uh the beginning of the week I finished off Mortal Shell, um which was actually a shorter game than I thought it was going to be. Um but it was still um pretty pretty satisfying to finish. Um it was a bit of a weird ending, I'll say. It didn't exactly end uh it with with like a big uh you know satisfying finale but um 
the last fight was was pretty good i enjoyed it it's just in that game you can kind of go any direction that you want to so there are the the main objective of the game is you're basically dropped into the world and then you have basically three directions that you can go you find these like crypts or tombs or whatever and then you you go through them and they're like a separate level and then at the end of it you fight a boss and then you get an item that you have to bring back to the central hub and then you get like a new ability when you do that and then when you bring all three back that's when the end of the game basically like unlocks and all that consists of is just going to a boss arena and fighting the final boss um so you can kind of you know decide which boss you want to do first and then second and then third and i think i did um i kind of did it in i don't know if it was like the intended order but i definitely fought like the easiest boss first and then sort of the medium boss second and the hardest boss of the three third um but what was kind of and kind of disappointing i guess for like the end of that game was that um in the in the third area that i went to which i would consider to be the hardest area of the uh of the three just like enemy wise and like traversing the environment wise um a lot of it came down to like pretty much like the enemies there would kill me in two hits so it didn't make sense to slowly trudge through and like try to wipe out every enemy to get like you know up this tower and then die at like the very end and then be all the way back down the tower it made a lot more sense just to run through everything which you know in in like your souls like games it can be a viable strategy if something is just like if it's too hard or there's just too many enemies you can just run through you just won't get obviously like the resources from from beating those enemies but like the thing about progression in this game is that you can only really get like six or seven upgrades per like character you use so the sort of gimmick of the game is that you are just this like fleshy white alien looking dude that takes over um these like suits of armor called shells and there's four shells you can find and the different shells are like different dead previous adventurers so they all have their own like backstories and whatever and they have different abilities they can get and they have different uh like amounts of like sizes of health bars and stamina bars so there's one character who's like really really tanky and durable and he's got a huge health bar but he has very very low stamina and then on the flip side of that there's your more like agile character who's got a ton of stamina but very low health and that's the character that i ended up using the most um and it just like it made the one area completely trivial because I like unlocked an ability for this rogue type character where instead of taking damage from poison, it just healed me instead. And like, there's this, um, like crypt area where half the enemies like poison you. So it didn't matter if I just like ran through all haphazardly because if they poisoned me, I just healed back up to full health constantly. So it made that part like really easy. Um, but then for the last area, I just like, I ran through everything and that didn't really affect the boss fight at all just because like that boss was going to two shot me anyway whether i fought all the enemies along the way or not um and the game is nice in that right before every boss fight it gives you like this game's like bonfire equivalent like your checkpoint um before the boss fight 
And for the for the last fight, not like the end of the game fight, but the last of these three major bosses, um, there's a the gimmick. Uh, another one of the gimmicks in the game is that when you die in your like shell form, your actual self gets like knocked backwards out of it, and then you sort of have like a second chance to run around. Similar to like Sekiro, where you you die but you get back up and you get like a second chance to to do some more things or or beat the boss or complete the objective, whatever you're trying to do. Um, but you die in one hit, so it's sort of like a uh, just like a, a last like hail mary type uh, game mechanic. But the cool thing is that if you can like get back to your body where you died, um, if you can like you know take out the enemy that killed you or or kind of kite them around and then get back to your body. Um, you can, uh, you can get back into it and you get like a full heal and then you get like another chance. But then if you, if you die again, you, you're, you're dead. Um, so for this third fight, you, you go up to activate the fight and the floor drops out from beneath you and you fall far enough that it, uh, it kills you that first time. So then you get like back into your body and then you, you only have like one life to fight this boss. So it kind of raises the stakes a little bit, which I thought was an interesting mechanic because it's like you've you've known this mechanic for the whole game. Now let's see if you can beat a boss without it. Um, which I thought was cool. That's unfortunately, a greasy way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately for the game, I figured out a way how to cheese it, so I didn't uh, die from the fall. Um, so I did manage to like keep my second life for the fight. Um, which by the time I actually beat the fight, I didn't end up dying at all. So I effectively did it the like intended way but yeah it was uh it was just kind of silly that i could immediately like break that mechanic for that that gimmick for that fight and not have to worry about it but it is an indie game you know it doesn't have a whole like a huge um like company behind it to make sure every little bug and thing is is fixed up but yeah um finish that that game up it was it was good but not i wouldn't say it was a great game there were there were a number of complaints that i had for it towards the end however the last boss fight was was really good um so i think they probably prioritized that over some other things in the game but um aside from that then i also started up finally playing prey which uh i have had friends telling me that i would like that game for like literal years like years i've had friends telling me like you got to get around to playing prey and i'm like yeah it's on the list um so i finally did get to playing it and I've played probably uh, maybe eight hours or so so far. And damn, yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's really good. I like Prey a lot. Your cat likes it too. He does. Yeah, <laughs> little cheerleader. How's the inventory system? <laughs> it is Resident Evil Four. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's good. It's uh, it's fine. I, I like how how just open everything is. You can go just like a lot of places right off the bat that you might not think that you could access and maybe there isn't a whole lot for you to do there right away but just the fact that you can like go out that first airlock and just kind of go everywhere outside in space was like so daunting um yeah it's it's interesting it's very cool okay uh adrenal um not much i uh I decided to buy and just start playing Hell Divers on PC, just because I, I wanted to lock. I wanted to unlock everything all over again, just because I love that game so much. Um, but I, I've actually been on a survival horror kick for a little while. I think I mentioned last week, so I am playing through Resident Evils, um, and I am playing Resident Evil. Wait, haven't you done that like ten thousand times? Um, I wanted to do. 
uh, I never played the PlayStation port, the PlayStation 4 port of the GameCube one. I played the GameCube remake one. I wanted to mm. play the the PlayStation 4 port of it because they 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 um, they include the new uh, Chris and Jill character models from Resident Evil mm. uh, Five, so you can like just like insert these really uh, proportionally distorted versions of each character into the Spencer mansion, which I have no business being there. Um, uh, so I'm playing through that. And I'm also just been like following a lot of resident evil, uh, kind of news and, uh, and information. And there's a, there's a, there are two fan made. Well, it's actually from the same people. They're, they're calling them residents evil. And it's a third person over the shoulder fan remake of resident evil and they have another one going of resident evil code veronica and they're supposed to they're releasing them for free this in 2022 sometime and those look really cool i've been watching some playthroughs of that so um it's uh as as well received as the gamecube slash playstation remakes the playstation 4 remakes are people have always kind of wanted a third person resident evil 4 style uh, so I've been kind of just been watching a lot of fan-made Resident Evil game clips online this week. Um, I was actually going, I tried to go and play some Back for Blood yesterday because I saw you guys playing it on stream and I kind of just want to play some of it, but then my Xbox app broke on Windows and I couldn't even update it. So oh my God, what the heck? I think I just went to bed instead. Um, uh but yeah, then you and I also played some. We continued. Uh, it takes two, which I think we can finish this weekend. Yeah, actually. based on where we are, I think we're done. We'll uh, we'll talk after the podcast. We'll we'll schedule something, and then uh, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Nothing really else with me. Uh, refreshing not to hear Hearthstone though every week. Yeah, yeah, I can uh, I can just say it. If I could just say Hearthstone every week, I could just utter the word. No, no, please don't. All right. what, are you, what are you up to, Ryan? Uh, I finished the uh, two previous DLCs for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So the second one I finished was Siege of Paris. And I don't recall if the game did this prior, but there's like some cool assassinations you can do for like specific, like, like, um, moments in the in the in the in the story uh i don't remember if the if the normal campaign was like that or or even um matt you recently played uh odyssey were there like special assassinations where like it led to a different like a, like a cut scene of some sort the only thing i can think of is the the various cultists but i don't know whether they actually led to any cutscenes. i I think they it would did. just be like you would sneak up on them, kill them, and then a cutscene would play. But it, the, the actual assassination would not be a cutscene, right? No, short of I'm trying to think because some of the cultists are obviously part of the story. Short of maybe mm-hmm. one of those that I can't recall, I don't think so. Because there's like there's these options you can take in in Siege of Paris, where if you do things a certain way, or get certain evidence, or get your character in a certain location. You can perform a special assassination and a cutscene will play and it'll usually be something pretty brutal. Uh, Matt, I sent you a video of, of, of the one. Um, and uh, there's another one where you, 
there's a big like metal cross hanging up on uh, above this where this guy is standing, and you can loosen that cross, and the cross falls. Oh and, no! And kills him. <laughs> so there's a lot of cool stuff like that in there. Um, so that was a lot of fun, and uh, I very much enjoyed getting back into AC Valhalla. Um, I'm probably like 160 hours in that now. Good God. <laughs> Well, actually, I, we don't have the story in here, but uh, why don't we quickly talk about uh, Dying Light 2 being 500 hours. Now, they did clarify that was 500 if you literally did everything in the game. Yeah, multiple playthroughs. They said just the story was kind of like 20 hours, which is pretty standard. Um, but uh, when you guys heard 500, does that make you more excited or less excited to, less, uh, to play? Less, 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 less. <laughs> I figured that was the answer. If, yeah. it, if it was 500 hours campaign or 500 hours to do something that I would that I would shoot for, like maybe a platinum, which maybe that is the case, then I would be less enticed. But I'm definitely not a person that's going to go through it five times to do all the different branching paths, because as we've seen in the trailers, this game seems to be mostly about choice. So it kind of makes sense that it would take so long, because if it's say 30 hours to play through it and you have to do it five six times plus all the side stuff every time maybe then 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 that makes sense that latest trailer looked pretty good i haven't seen it myself i haven't seen it myself sorry that that assassin's creed valhalla playtime you're talking about 150 155 hours you said i think it's probably around 160 i uh i haven't checked uh recently and this is with the dlc you're saying yeah so I'm looking. I'm on howlongtobeat.com, and this is where I, I'm always kind of a little confused with the way they split it up because I don't know it. They have a section for the game and they have a section for DLC, but I don't know if under completionist if they count the DLC or if it's separate. I think I, I'd imagine it's just for the base game. Yeah, but a completionist run for just Valhalla, no DLC, is 135 hours. That oh sounds about God. right. And then if you do uh, completionist. For each of the DLCs, The Legend of Beowulf, Wrath, Siege, Faded, and Dawn of Ragnarok. Well, Dawn of Ragnarok, they actually don't even have that information. But you're looking at... That just came out. Yeah, you're looking at 27 minutes, 19 hours, 14 hours, and 3 hours, respectively, for those first four. You know what sucks about games like this, though, is that when they're super long in the campaign... You know how people will always complain about how the side missions in open world games are sort of busy work. And once you've done yeah. one defend mission, you've done all the defend missions. Once you've done one assassination, you've done all the assassinations. Yeah. I find that eventually, because these games are so long, and this happened with Odyssey, that the actual campaign, even though the story is different per mission, the actual campaign feels like busy work eventually because it's always – like right here. It's the same stuff. It's yeah, right here, talk to this person, right here, assassinate this person, right here. And it's just – there's just different flavor text that's more that more time has been put into than say a side mission assassination. So it's mm-hmm. a little unfortunate in that way. That's probably why linear games shine so much is because they can change up that environment so much on each level or each chapter or whatever. Um, man, I should really spend more time on this website. This website, the way they lay out information stats, so it's so pleasant to look at uh valhalla <laughs> is on the? it's it's um uh it's on there's a ps4 release right yes so it's interesting though that all out of all the people who have who have put their information for this game 
on PS4 has the longest playthrough times. And, huh. I and I'm wondering if that is like a loading thing. I wonder if it takes longer for them to load assets if it, <laughs> to dip in and out, if it actually contributes. That would be really that. funny. Yeah. That would be funny, yeah. That's if it's recording that time. Yeah, I, I imagine it's just... Uh, because it's like because like, the because the PS4 doesn't natively record your playtime. The PS5 does, but the PS4 doesn't. So I'm curious to know how people well, even get that information. I believe the PS4 did. It just wasn't made public to you. Yeah, that, that's because I mean. you can go on PS5 and check all your old games uh, oh. and see how long you played them. Man, I should like spend way, I should spend way more time on the site. I'm gonna start. Uh, other than that, though, um, we beat Back for Blood on veteran difficulty. Veteran difficulty. Uh, I played a bit more of what's that RTS called? Crusader Kings. Uh, Age Age of Empires. I played a bit more of that, and um, oh, uh, uh, Deep Rock Galactic, which was the PS Plus game. We've been playing that uh, quite a bit, actually. I've actually oh, been meaning yeah. to start that. I have not. It's pretty fun. Pretty fun. So. How many hours? How many hours would you guys say you spent on Back for Blood? In fact, I could probably I do I do calendar it in the shared calendar, so I could probably tally it. But uh, how many hours? How many hours would you say uh, you spend on Back for Blood? On one uh, playthrough, or are you trying to say one like one single playthrough, or collective so far? Uh, at this point, maybe like twenty. I'd say like right? I'd More say like third. I'd say like thirty to forty is my yeah. range. Yeah, the completionists have them clocked in at 55 and a half hours. So you guys are in between main and extras. Oh, and, completionists, yeah. Yeah. Is there any way to check that on the on the Xbox app? Um, I believe so. I don't... Oh, I don't know about the app. The app kind of got that facelift and I kind of lost track of what it has in there, but... The app's pretty sparse, actually, in terms of... I imagine, the, I imagine the iOS app probably tells you before the... Uh, the, the Windows app. Yeah. All right. That's what we've been playing. Uh, let's hop into the news for the week. Uh, first up here. Um, so Take Two, who uh, is the publisher of massive games like uh, GTA and Red Dead, uh, they acquired a, another massive company called Zynga. <laughs> and um, that's like led to a lot of speculation on, on what, what could be uh, coming out, what are we going to get mobile GTA and mobile Red Dead games or whatever? So this is from GameSpot. Um, so the uh, the CEO of uh, of Take Two, he said that um, the list is endless <laughs> as to what you could see um, coming out on their on their mobile end. So uh, is there anything you guys want to see? Do you do you guys care about mobile games? Where do you guys stand on that? I want. I want a mobile game that is designed as a mobile game. I don't want a console game ported over to mobile needlessly. So how would something like GTA work itself into that? Uh, I wouldn't mind a, you know, you know what, you know what uh, franchise would always have worked on a, uh, uh, like a, uh, cell phone management game. Remember the earlier Assassin's Creed's where you had like, a, a a like a table in your hideout and you and you would like manage your brotherhood yeah you would send you'd send uh you on on a statistics like a, on a zero to 100 percent, you would send assassins off to do missions and then you could level them up 
or they would have ship battles or you could do um, uh, merchant runs and uh, they had every single, every single game had a different version of it, but they just kind of changed the, the, whatever it is you were doing the flavor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and I was just like, I always would love it just a joint, uh, like one of these incorporating all three of them, like have ships transporting, uh, uh, stuff and assassins going to other continents and then report back in so many hours so I can open up my app and manage it again. And that is what I always wanted on, on like an iOS, uh, because I would open the app for that. And I imagine like a GTA crime manager would probably be something that I would do. Yeah. Here's, say, it's, it's yeah. Like the, that adding, adding like NPCs to increase percent chance of success. Like that's yeah. been adopted by a number of mobile games. Yeah. So it's let not me, like it's uh, a format that's been un, unproven or anything like that. Yeah. Like let, let, let me, let me pull out my guys from Liberty city, vice city or whatever, send them on a mission. Okay. I have a 93% chance and they have to go there to kill this guy or they're going to go there to go move some stuff. And that makes some meters somewhere go up and I can go in and then do get some cosmetics. I, w- I would open a GTA app for that. I would be keen on like the uh, previous handheld style GTAs like China Chinatown Wars. Like I think that kind of top down format of the OG GTA games, like not not that you know phones now can't handle like three D rendered worlds and, and games mechanics and modern mechanics and stuff like that, but I feel like it would suit the format and maybe even breathe some life back into the old style. By having more of like the like top down style GTA games in uh, on mobile, I like that. Yeah, because I, I do have Chinatown Wars on my DS as well as my my phone, and it's it's pretty good on both. It's it's better on the DS because it's just an analog stick and you know yada yada, but it is still really good on the phone. And I do have GTA Three on the phone as well, and it and it works like there's no no problem with it that way, but. I just would prefer to play that on a on a more traditional means, like having a controller, like it was originally designed for myself. The thing, the thing too with phones that's interesting is that they can render a bunch of stuff, and then obviously they can stream full on console games and full on PC games and stuff like that from various uh, streaming services. But when you put the phone in, say, like a vice or like one of those vice devices that connects it to a controller, it kind of doesn't become a phone anymore. So I, I kind of like Adriano's idea of sort of having things still be an app where it's still designed for mobile, then having sort of like the in-between of, say, the isometric GTAs as an example. And even, I mean, I don't really like the balance of, but I still didn't mind the gameplay of Elder Scrolls Blades. So something along like that line where it's designed specifically for mobile, but then you still have like that, say, like that transformer bit in there where you can try to transform it into a little mobile TV where you could play console I don't mind it being all of like, I don't mind having all of those. And I think there's probably room for all three of those type of experiences. How could you guys think there's still like a uh, people, people still don't like the idea of mobile games. There's like a stigma against them. I think it's just the older generation that feels that way. I feel like kids now and even, you know, people that are in their teens now have like fully embraced mobile gaming as a platform. Like I'm, I think it's just the old, uh, the boomer millennials that are like, you know, Oh no, that's not real gaming. That's, you know, all I can do is play snake on my phone kind of thing, but it's, it's just not the case. Like you can play a fully fleshed out, like fully functional cod game on your phone. 
Right. Like COD Mobile is as much of a COD game as any other COD game on a console or PC or whatever. So it's pretty remarkable, actually. It's insane to me because, like, I, I just as a like per, in my own personal like experience, mobile gaming just doesn't really suit my lifestyle. So I have not done it by and large for the vast majority of my life, almost at all. And the 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 majority of the mobile gaming that I have done has always been those typical like mobile games like endless runners and stuff that I would pull out my phone when I was on the bus to school and I would I would just play Temple Run 2 for like the 20 minute bus ride and I would just do that every day that's pretty much the extent of my like mobile gaming aside from the few hours that I've put into COD Mobile with you guys you know what kind of sucks about mobile gaming is that like battery life is so precious and mm-hmm. one way to completely kill that is with with mobile games and so it's like yeah sure you could play you know cod mobile while you're out and about but you're risking <laughs> battery life while you're not near a charger yeah that, that's really the thing with mobile gaming right is like that balance between you know how much do you want your game to be like relying on the hardware that it's on but for how long, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's kind of a limitation of mobile gaming, and it's, it's kind of the point of mobile gaming, too, and I think Nintendo kind of recognized this because it's sort of partly how they designed the Switch and partly how they designed the games that you play on the Switch is that you can play these these games in short bursts. Like, it's 15 minutes, or you can play, like, up to, you know, three or four hours, depending on what, on what you want to like how the format in which you're playing your switch games right so like smash mm-hmm. bros a game of smash bros you can you can bang out a couple of rounds in like 15 minutes you could probably do four or five matches of smash bros in, in 15 minutes you could get you know a, uh, at least one or two moons in mario odyssey in 15 minutes you could get some koroks or you could do some do like a, a shrine or two in breath of the wild in 15 minutes um at least for those like really big first party Nintendo games on the switch, you're, you're given a a bunch of small objectives to complete that are easily done. If you're just say using your switch on a commute to work, if you're on the subway or the train or the bus. Um, and like a lot of the complaints that I saw from those like Nintendo games was like, Oh, there's, there's too many like small objectives and not enough, like, like, you know, can considerable, um, game content to like really sink my teeth into because it's all these like little objectives but it's like yeah this is part of the switch's design philosophy was that it's kind of supposed to be done in short bursts um if if that's like your lifestyle kind of thing so with mobile gaming it's like do they want to like invest in making these fully fleshed out experiences with like you know fully rendered cutscenes and all that stuff and like really nice high fidelity graphics um on that platform at the cost of battery life or do they make it in such a way that it's sort of designed for the platform that it's on keeping in mind that modern phones while they do have sizable batteries in them you know a couple of years down the line if someone's still using an older phone like they're not really going to be able to run these games at their highest settings or for very long at all if they've got an old battery in them so I, th- I think that kind of comes down to the the studio that's making these games and the caliber of the game that they're they're trying to achieve and like having realistic expectations for the user experience on the platform. Man, do you guys remember um, <clears throat> the companion app craze? 
during the start of the last Fallout generation. Fallout Four and fuck yeah. yeah, hell yeah, dude. I I used it when it worked fine. I used it all the time when I was playing uh, Assassin's Creed Pirate One Four Black Flag. Four, yeah, <laughs> I had I had my uh, my thing open in front of me, and it was a live map, so I always had a map in front of me, and I would just I would just kind of point my ship to the island based on that. Um, and then I would like tie, then you signed in and I, I, like I said, like I would, I would go into the app and manage my ships in between sessions. And then when I go in, it would just cash in and give me all the extra money as soon as I logged in. You know, I, I like the idea of the companion apps, but I just feel like you're, you're supposed to be holding a controller. And so like, where's your phone while you're, while you're navigating with the controller, like you got to constantly be either picking it up or set it up somewhere just so you can look at it or whatever. It almost makes sense more sense to have a companion app on like a on a PC with two monitors and you could put like your map or all your mm-hmm. kind of settings on your left screen or whatever um, while you're playing the game on the on the other screen. But yeah. I just I always felt like having to pick up your phone and do something with it. It was just cumbersome. Nintendo did it like all the way back on the GameCube too. Oh, really? There was there were a number of games that had functionality if you plugged in uh with the um uh, with a Game Boy? C- connection cable, you could connect your Game Boy Advance to the GameCube, and then it would have a second second screen experience. One of them was uh, um, Four Sword Adventures, I think, was one of them, the Zelda game, where like in certain interiors, you could go into the interior off the main overworld map, and then if it if you had the uh, the Game Boy cable plugged into your Game Boy Advance, it would show the interior on the on the Game Boy instead, and it was a multiplayer game, so. Um, like player two could be using the Game Boy Advance as a controller because it's wired into the console, so they're using the D pad to move around and they're using the you know the the A B X Y to swing their sword and use their items and shield and stuff, and then when they they would go into an interior, then it would sort of do a little effect on screen and it would do it would show like the Game Boy Advance symbol I think or something like that, and then and then they're playing on like a handheld mode, sort of similar to like how you know we play things on the Switch now, which is kind of cool. Um. So that that was there, and then there were things like for um, uh, there was an item in in the Wind Waker on the GameCube called the Tingle Tuner, which was where you would um be playing the game on your TV on the GameCube, but then with the Game Boy Advance connected to the GameCube, you would basically have access to like Tingle's shop, and if you had enough rupees, you could buy certain items or certain effects at certain points, and um. If you like needed a like you were at a at a destructible wall, but you didn't have any bombs or whatever, if you had rupees, you could pay Tingle to like basically drop a bomb on your position, and it could you know damage enemies or it could break open the wall. Um, but then of course that wasn't a feature in the uh, the HD remake for the Wii U because they didn't have that like sort of connectivity function anymore. So that was replaced with the Tingle Bottle, which was the online connectivity item where you could share pictures and messages between other people online. But I wonder if... Yeah, the Tingle Tuner was used for like certain speedruns and stuff too. I wonder if that leads to like inspiration for something like the DS, you know, having Mm -hmm. that that multiple screen interaction. um, That's really interesting. Yeah, it was cool. I had no idea it did that. Yeah. It's one of those like niche Nintendo features that like it wasn't really like a primary function for a lot of games. It was like a gimmick for some, so it wasn't super popular. 
Yeah, I mean, you gotta love Nintendo where... for that kind of stuff, eh? Yeah, I mean, they keep doing it. So yeah, whether it's successful or not, they're just like, we're gonna try it, and if it's cool, it's cool. Like, this reminds me of the uh, the VMUs from the Sega Dreamcast, where you could <laughs> where you had your memory card, which was a VMU, and your controller, I believe it was, and you could take out the VMU, and some of the games would have a mini game. So there was like kind of like a Game Boy controls on the. VMU, on the you could play thing, a, yeah. yeah, you could play a little game on this little, almost like a calculator screen mm-hmm. uh, on <laughs> on the on the memory card, and I presume earn stuff. I've never actually tried it myself, but I I do have a couple of VMUs, and it has like a little bit of uh, like some buttons and some input there and whatever. That's pretty cool. I mean, it's not quite a mo- mobile game in our sense or a companion app in what we're talking about, but it is sort of a like you can't be having you can't be playing obviously on the on the vmu while it's in use on the console but you can take it with you to a friend's house and i guess on the way there be playing a mini game to do whatever you want and then once you get to your friend's house cash in i suppose all right uh what we got next here Uh, xbox one console production was discontinued back in 2020 this is from gamespot as well uh, it's not unusual for manufacturing on consoles to cease after a new generation of hardware arrives, but for the Xbox One, its end came much sooner. Microsoft discontinued production on the Xbox One S and the Xbox One X uh, just before the launch of the Xbox Series X and S consoles, allowing for retailers to finish selling any remaining stock of the last-gen devices. Uh, and they give a quote to The Verge, and it says, to focus on production of the Xbox Series X and S, we stopped production for all Xbox One consoles by the end of 2020. Um in comparison to Microsoft, Nintendo only discontinued its 3DS console manufacturing three years after the Switch launched, while Sony plans to produce around a million PS4 consoles in 2022. Uh, while both console companies face a supply and demand challenge due to the ongoing shortage of vital chips for their machines, Microsoft is confident that it can at least meet demand for its Xbox Series S consoles. Um, yeah, so this is a bit of an interesting difference between the two companies. Obviously, um, Sony only has one model of the PS5, unless you count the disc or digital version, but still the same internals, uh, basically. Um, but apparently Xbox seems to have, uh, it's, it's paid off with having a, a different system that they can focus on, on producing more of. They also have the luxury of having virtually, not not entirely, but virtually their entire back catalog all the way back to original Xbox uh, that worked on Xbox One and now just work on Xbox Series. So they can they can can the Xbox One because the Xbox Series is basically just an upgraded Xbox One. It has all the whole old functionality and then all the new functionality as well. Is it still faster than the, the One X? I'd imagine, right? It's still better than the One X? I don't know. That's a good question. I would... Wish- estimate this the s like the x is definitely better yes for sure but um, i have i have tested like i've i've played uh a, a fair bit of xbox one games on my series x with a friend that has a series s and sometimes he'll load in faster and sometimes i will um but in the instances that i load in faster i load in like quite a bit faster it's almost like i got a new computer type of thing that type of that type of loading speed so mm-hmm. I don't know whether that's the GPU, you know, whether the game is more CPU intensive, whether it's more storage intensive, whatever. Because like I said, different con- different contexts, different results. But um, I would assume it would. I would assume the SSD, which is why I mentioned this at all. I would assume the SSD big, is helping a lot. That's in a big all, part of it. All for of sure. them. Yeah. 
I, I'm surprised that Xbox would discontinue them. Um, uh, cause I don't, they, if they quietly did it in 2020, I'm wondering if they, cause companies knew about the, the chip shortage and they're talking about having X, X cloud capabilities on Xbox one consoles. So older consoles can play newer games. Mm-hmm. And in doing that approach, I'm surprised that they aren't still kind of pushing for Xbox One consoles like PlayStation is pushing PS4 consoles still. I think what the thing with the series is that the series is more of an upgrade, like going from the original launch version of the Xbox One to, say, the uh, Xbox. Um, what was that one that had HDR and stuff, Ryan, when the 4K Blu-ray playback? The One S. The One S, yeah. It's it's sort of the series is more of an upgrade like that in that it's just a straight up kind of replacement for it because all the functionality is there. And with something as accessible price wise as the Series S, it would probably it it probably doesn't make sense for them to have the old ones just because also because Microsoft <laughs> has made the OS virtually, if not completely the same on both. Uh, the series and the Xbox one that streaming functionality probably doesn't really require any tinkering or any additional testing, at least not a lot of additional testing on the one versus the series, the software, as far as I understand it, the OS is virtually the same short of obviously running the newer games. Uh, so this is an interesting on windows central here. Um, now this is going to get a little confusing with the, the naming scheme that Xbox has chosen. But the Xbox Series S, which is the current-gen lower-end console, uh, has eight cores at 3.6 gigahertz. The One X, which was the better last-gen console, uh, eight cores at 2.3 gigahertz. And then if we're talking graphics, the Series S has four teraflops uh, and 20 compute units, while the Xbox One X has six teraflops at 40 compute units. So graphically, it looks like a better console. Also, the uh, One X has 12 gigabytes of RAM rather than the current gen Series S having 10 gigabytes of RAM. So I, I do think that the Xbox One X is a technically better console. I think it's more expensive too, or at least MSRP is. Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, and uh, on, on this website here, Windows Central, it does say that, keep in mind, a lot of games are no longer optimizing for the One X anymore. Right. So it might not have the best performance um, going forward. Well, the thing is, is that I've already I've already like done some game streaming on the Xbox, even with or I said before on Horizon, Forza Horizon, even with fast paced games. And I've noticed that there's I have a couple of friends on on Xbox that aren't really, you know, super into tech and they're streaming games now, too. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if the Xbox Series S, which obviously can render stuff on board, if it if it isn't always rendering stuff on board and it's just more or less like a portal or gateway to running even the very high fidelity graphic games over the cloud, but it works, I mean power to it at that point there's almost yeah. there's almost no reason to have a series x in that in that future i suppose series x or one x 
Well, a one X, a one X is, is, is based in the past. So that's kind of what I'm getting yes. at is a one X yeah. is like everything is on board. It's ready to render everything locally. Whereas a series S is saying, Hey, we'll render stuff locally. That's no problem. Even the new stuff, but it will be lower fidelity. I think it might max out at, I don't know, 1440p or something <laughs> instead of 4k, something like that. So it'll render stuff less. But obviously, if you have streaming technology now, I don't know whether the output of the Series S can handle 4K when it's streaming a game. I don't know about that or whether even the streaming infrastructure can do it. But the Series S is sort of, we could say, a Gen 1 streaming box where it's almost the transitionary device where it can it can it's it's very affordable. It can render locally, but it's also because it's affordable and because it's so small, it and 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 has the streaming capability it's like that transitionary thing where if we go to a streaming future exclusively which we may or may not might be like a bit of a hybrid then the series s is there but the series x would be closer to the xbox one x but because it's a whole generation newer it's like well better you know what i mean first these names the names are ridiculous first it's the name it's, of these it's, it's out of control x- xbox xbox 360 xbox 360s or e what x I'm just going through the names because the they elite. had the elite. Yeah, the elite. Oh the yeah. S. Then the Xbox One, Xbox One S, Xbox One X, Xbox Series S, Xbox Series X. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I will say this though: the Xbox One X, the last gen console, is a pretty gorgeous machine. It looks nice. Yeah. I think it actually looks better than the Series X. I have no idea what any of these look like. And I kind of, I kind of want one just as a collector's item, because I feel oh, like yeah. th- those would have sold fewer. You know, um, they might be more kind of rare later on down the road. I don't so, know a single person that's uh, that's bought one. And to be honest, even watching like content, I don't even hear people talking about the the One mm-hmm. X. So it's, so it's possible that it's rare. Right. Which ones are you gawking over? Xbox One X. Yes. Xbox One. I believe X. it's like a gray sort of, I don't know, I guess you'd call it like I a think shale. It's still black. I think it's still black. black Is it? I thought it was like a gray, like a very dark, like shale. I don't know if that's right, but like a looks, very dark, like black shale black in the color. pictures. Yeah, I'd call that black. Oh, okay. I, okay. I'm so picturing it from memory. One X, and then you're saying it looks better than the Series X, because the Series X is just a giant Big fridge. block of cheese. Yeah. <laughs> Now, yeah, what, it's what, not do you, inaccurate. what do you think? What do you think <laughs> looks better, the Xbox One X or the Xbox Series S? One X. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't like the I don't like the black like uh, the fan circle thing. Grill. Yeah, that that it really does it. Like, in fact, I'm looking at the Xbox One S, and that <laughs> looks better than the Series S. God damn names. This is the one X looks better than the series S. Yes, that's correct. The one. No, I'm, I'm saying the one S looks better than the series S. These damn names. That is also correct. Yeah. Although it'd be tough if it didn't have that black uh, grill. Yeah, it, uh, I, I almost kind of want to Photoshop that out to see what it looks like. My, I think my, my overall favorite design is actually is either the this is going to sound weird, but either the first Xbox because of nostalgia the very oh, first God, that thing is ugly though it's that, yeah oh yeah but that's like an embodiment of that of that time period yeah right? i see it's that's such a yeah, yeah. uh or, such a monster energy feel about it yeah <laughs> and the, or the new one like i really like how they did the the green so the series x i mean 
Uh, I really like how they did the green when you look at the side profile of the uh, the top or the side. It's a nice touch of the yeah, like of the uh, of the big fan grate, like the main fan grate. I really like that green in there. And I like how it's just a utilitarian machine. It's just here's a rectangular prism. Good luck. <laughs> like, that's it. I, I am a fan of just white accessories. I like aesthetically white things. So you like the PlayStation 5 then? Yeah. Yeah. God, God, I hate the God, I hate the PS5. Matt, Matt did, did did you see the color of the car that I ordered? The, I know my new Corolla. <sighs> it's called it's called Super White. That's the literally the, new, the color scheme that I fit. I mean, I have like Grandpa Brown, so I can't really say much. <laughs> well, so how do you guys feel about PlayStation? You know, ramping up their PS4. Um, that must mean they're still selling them, then, right? Do you think there's people going out to buy a console and then they had to settle for a PS4? Yeah. Yeah, that's or, weird, or it could tie into uh, an idea with their next story about possibly streaming. Or is that not tied? Oh, I, we didn't put that story in. I mean, I guess you could tie that in. Kind of. All right. Yeah. And, and it's it's likely because they are going to just do a, a streaming service and the PS4s will probably be able to utilize it. Well, PS Now, yeah, PS right. now is on PS4. Like PS Now Correct. is a totally fine can uh, you play, streaming service. Yeah, can you play PS5 title? Can you stream PS5 titles through PS Now on a PS4? I do not believe, at least at my last check, that there was there are PS5 titles on PS I don't Now. Think, yeah, I don't think there are any any PS5. Uh, yeah, so pro- what if what if they're pushing PS4s because they're going to do like a streaming PS5 system? Well, let's talk about this. So yeah, Sony is, is pulling PlayStation Now gift cards from retailers. This is from Gamespot. Um. They pulled them from uh, the UK, and this has already begun happening in the United States uh, for the last few weeks. Um, however, there's been r- uh, rumors of uh, Sony launching their own um, Game Pass competitor, which is codenamed, I believe, Spartacus. Um, so, yeah, they definitely seem to be I'm moving Spartacus. in that direction. I think we've, we've talked about this quite a bit, about Sony's need to kind of match something uh, to the Game Pass because I think it is a huge draw for a lot of people. I don't think that Sony can. I don't think you're ever going to get them to give you the day one releases because they kind of seem to be, for lack of a better way to say it, on a high horse of those releases for good reason because they have a lot of good single player and multiplayer whatever titles, Last of Us and among others, of course, God of War, etc. Um, but I would say that that feature of game pass is really big even the fact that they've negotiated although sony can do this part i would say that sony could or like a microsoft seeming seemingly negotiating with other people like ubisoft to get rainbow six extraction day one is a and and, um outriders as well so square enix was in there as well that's pretty big for me with the game pass to actually have new games on there i used for example the old version of ea access because it was just like really very cheap and accessible and we, we would have a common um, you'd have a common like multiplayer base of games to play mm-hmm. like Battlefield and stuff like that. But it wouldn't have the latest Battlefield per se. And I think that Sony is not going to deliver that new game feature when it comes to their first party stuff. And so you, the think, end- you think they can make deals with with third party. So, right. Yeah. Like the third party one, I think they can make deals. They might be able to get, let's like, say, Outriders 2 or, you know, something 
whatever the maybe dying like two if the if the you know if the service is out by then which it won't be but like stuff like that with third parties i think they'll be able to do that with you know minimal problem more than likely but i just feel as though that just due to their own sort of love i suppose for their own first party titles i i don't think they can or they or they just won't straight up uh offer those those day one titles and then at that point I would also say that they're probably going to have a comparable price point to Xbox Game Pass, probably the same price, if I had to guess. And then if that's the case, it's like, well, one of your one of those big features is missing. Why would I why would I buy this? Uh, Do you think that's why they're doing like the tiered system? Well, that's another question, too, is if they have a tiered system in which, say, the, 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 the premier or the top the gold level service, the top level service. Mm-hmm. Um, if that gives you day one PlayStation releases, that's great. But arguably, they won't, I think they already said that, didn't they? Not that they, not that they commented on the new service, but I think they said they they wouldn't launch uh, day one. All that stuff, I would say, is like with a grain of salt. Like we can use it as evidence, of course, because like we're having a conversation here. But I would say that all mm-hmm. that stuff is like up for changing because they have to compete with Microsoft in some way. And mm-hmm. them seeing Game Pass get this rolling and ever increasing, it seems like, library of games with the with also the big day one releases like Halo showing up. I think that they like that type of stuff can change, like those type of opinions and on their side can change. But like, um, like, what's the price that they would be happy with that we the consumer would also be happy with if they do have a, you know, a gold top tier thing that does give you day one releases hypothetically? What is like, what's the price? If it's $30 a month, that's too much. I might as well wait for them to release a game and then I'll just buy it. Yeah, I'm not even sure if I would get this, at least not the third tier one. <clears throat> you know, I, think- I don't much care about about the uh, a lot of the PS4 or PS3 or PS2 titles. I don't um, really care about going back and playing those. I, I, in fact, if there was a lower tier to play older PS2 and PS titles, I would probably jump on that one because there's a lot of games that I would, I would go in on that, but I also hope they don't do a tiered system. Um, I really hope they kind of just keep it to one. Uh, You're already going to kind of confuse and fragment any sort of subscription base. Uh, But I, I think, I think that (coughs) Sony would eventually get to the idea of releasing day one on some sort of subscription service. Um, I think, I think they're a little set in their ways, but they are, I think it takes a little bit of a push for them to kind of come around, but they are willing to change probably like the PC a, releases. Exactly. It's like they, they take a little longer than they should be, but they are starting to, to do certain things, uh, like the PC releases. Um, like they're always behind on cross play. They, they held out on that. Um, uh, so I can see him eventually down the line saying, you know what, we, we will test run, you know, God of War 6, whatever one they're on at that point, and doing like a, like a, like a PS subscription-based day one release to see how that goes. Never say never. That's, that's what I'd say. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, God of War just launched on PC uh, today. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, pretty, pretty big moment. Yeah. Steam. Yeah. What? And uh, it's apparently a pretty good port, actually. That's good to know. What would see, you like, guys say to like different the different tiers, but also the different platforms? Because PS Now is on PC, and I believe on select televisions as well. 
So it would, oh, yeah. it'd be a little unfair, say, to well, maybe not unfair. I don't, I don't know. I guess that's really the question. Really, is like, is it is it okay to just have one? This is our PlayStation, you know, premier streaming service, whatever, and then that's it. And and if you don't have a PS5, then you like just can't play it there. The same way that I suppose you can't play it on a phone if you don't have a phone, type of thing. Or should they like Microsoft? have like the different tiers, but then also the different platforms, such as you can just buy it on Xbox Game Pass for PC. Oh yeah, I guess I guess uh Game Pass does have tiers, isn't it? Because you can you can buy the Xbox one, you can buy the PC Game one, and then PC, you can buy Game Pass Ultimate. I, yeah, Game but Pass I, Ultimate. I, I don't I don't really think it's fair to con- consider those tiers. Um like the only reason why it's fragmented is because it's a licensing thing. Like I like Microsoft doesn't have I'm trying to think of a title that isn't on uh, one or the other, um, like like Out, Outriders, Outriders not wasn't being, at first. Yeah, like like yeah, Outriders for instance was not on console, but that was probably a deal or like a policy with Steam or Epic Games right. that was in place before Xbox ever got to it. Other way around, it wasn't on. Oh yeah, it wasn't on PC. Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever it was. So. Like, because it, it seems like Microsoft would like to just have like a uniform thing across the board. And the reason why they had to split is just because they are incapable of getting it on everything for whatever reason. Um, so it, uh, Game Pass is pretty uniform across the board. I wouldn't, uh, I don't know if I would be willing to call that a tier. Well, that, that, that's a question too is if, if they, have like a classic so they have like the classic games which some people would love but some people just wouldn't play it seems that game pass even though there are older games on there some retro games and stuff it seems that game pass is largely focused on the new games so if this service launches and they do not want to give you their new ip so they kind of only the newest stuff they have on there for first party is let's say a year plus old but they they want to have that big marketing push of like 300 games or whatever the number is like a big number of games a bunch of those would i would presume be older ps3 ps2 ps1 titles and maybe even PSTV titles at, at that point or ps vita titles at that at that point it, it becomes a question of like should there be a tier for the retro games if the retro games are going to take a large precedent because there are going to be a collection of gamers that love it and a collection of gamers that just aren't going to touch it. Wait, is this Nintendo Switch Online? That's what I was kind of wondering. <laughs> That's what I'm a little bit worried about is like, is this going to become like a weird, like, hey, buy our retro pack, buy our like <laughs> PS3 pack. Like, wh- like wh- how divided is this thing going to become? Nintendo uh, set a pretty bad precedent with that. And like, maybe it's a special case because obviously people who like buy Nintendo games and always are loyal to Nintendo and just like buy up whatever they put out are a special case. Like Sony and Microsoft do not have the the player base that Nintendo has. But that being said, like they're kind of showing that, hey, like when it comes to retro games, you can split it up by console and people will buy it like just so they can play, you know, really really shitty ports of N64 games <laughs> for an extra 50 bucks. <laughs> like, it's actually... It would be funny if it weren't so sad how bad the N64 emulation on the Switch is oh, by yeah. Nintendo's first party. The, the, some of the comparison videos were 
It's like this this is fake. Like this is oh people just fucking around with it. And it's like, yeah. nope, this is the actual emulation. It's like holy crap. Zelda Ocarina of Time has almost it has like a half a second of input delay. Like that's borderline unplayable. And somebody at Nintendo played that. They QA'd that. They're like, yeah, that's good. Let's ship it. That's that's and it's local, right? Like that that isn't yep. streamed in. No. Nope. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh you know what? I'm wondering if if they're not going to have their own exclusives on whatever the service is, um, could they get by by having it cheaper than than Game Pass? Like yeah. what if the top t- top tier is cheaper than Game Pass Ultimate? Yes, yeah. I would. I would say because you're paying for PS Plus. Yeah, if, if assuming PS Plus gets thrown into it like Game Pass Ultimate, yeah. even if the games are a year old. I would say yes. The reason why I say that is because currently we kind of jump pretty frequently, but not always to the multiplayer, the multiplayer centric free PS plus game like Deep Rock Galactic. We also tried that uh, dodgeball game and there's been a collection of others. PGA, the you golf thing into hell divers for a bit. And we'll hell divers. That. Yeah. yeah. So like we kind of get we kind of get our like money's worth out of that. If if there's a very accessible price tier that effectively kills your PS plus subscription or bundles it. And then gives you just a good collection of games of which there are a good amount of multiplayer ones. And then, of course, PS Plus is involved. So now you can just play them. That's that's a game changer that I think I would pick up, because if a bunch of people get that now, there's one once again, just like with Game Pass, as we've seen over the years, there's no reason not to pick it up. There's It's just like, hey, click download. It's not, hey, man, do you want to pay this amount of money? The, it, mm-hmm. the barrier to entry is so much lower when that uh, subscription is already worked into people's budgets. It, yeah, because like as as we mentioned on this podcast a million times, like like N- N- Nintendo fans are Nintendo fans, and even with PlayStation fans, there 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 are those diehard PlayStation fanboys. You know, there's one in this very podcast right now that will always go to PlayStation. <laughs> I don't know if I'm quite diehard, <laughs> but I'm a PlayStation fan, but I don't know if I'm diehard. But like, like it's funny because even with Xbox Game Pass and how much goodwill it's it's made, and the fact that that the that there's a cheaper Xbox console out there, and they seem to be more accessible, PlayStation still always seems to be ahead in terms of sales and numbers. And while while PlayStation, it's not fair to say PlayStation isn't at that Nintendo level yet of fan loyalty they are in a position to kind of slingshot themselves to that position. Like they're on the road to that one day. And if Xbox is not careful, even though they would kind of be out of the control right out of the gate, if PlayStation can undermine that and get a subscription, a good marketing subscription system in place, even if you don't have titles right at release, even if there are six months to a year down the line, but it is cheaper like they can kind of lock it in for another five years if if they're if they're smart about it. That's yeah. my two cents. That's that's a good two cents. <laughs> All right. So far as I say, that's three cents. I'm just trying to figure out what I would pay for this, though. It's like ten dollars. It's like I don't know. I, you kind of need to see the games first, right? What are we paying for Game Pass Ultimate in Canada? Does anyone remember? Seventeen ninety nine. Yeah, sixteen ninety nine. Sixteen ninety nine. And I'm only doing the PC one. I'm doing thirteen ninety nine a month. I'd say like a good 
something that would sell me pretty quick if it had that multiplayer angle and such. $9.99, probably, if it included PS Plus. Well, and I, yeah, think that's, I think that's a pipe oh, dream. Yeah, well, no, that is, well, wait, wait. You think that's a pipe dream? $9.99 to get the PS Now, effectively the PS Now rebooted library and PS Plus. Oh, you think the, the price is the is the pipe dream? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's... Yeah, all, all these, oh, all yeah, these yeah. tiers come with PS Plus. Nine ninety nine. Uh, let's. Uh, yeah, I would because like what times. what did they do the other the other year like a few years ago they they raised PS Plus by quite a bit right um or something like that. No, yeah, I thought is, that was gold. A gold went like doubled gold, in price, and gold, everyone freaked out. No, gold gold <laughs> went up in price. Everything went up in price, but with PlayStation, people were upset because they just they they pretty much said, "Hey, like there's a standard of living, and there's like a cost to all this. We're just going to raise it from sixty nine ninety nine to seventy nine ninety nine uh, a year." And people were just upset about the messaging because it wasn't it wasn't uh, a matter of like them saying. We, we understand the system needs work and we will try to do better and we will try to make this infrastructure better and we know we can do better. PlayStation pretty much just said, shit's getting expensive. We're just going to raise the price on you. Like like that was their messaging. Towards they could have just raised what, the price too. They could have just said new yeah, pricing and then shut it. up. But they, but they literally came out and said, things are just expensive. We're just going to raise the price on you. <laughs> and they, I mean, it was just the way they approached it. You know what's nuts though? If, if you're buying the annual PS Plus, it comes to only $5.84 a month. What's what is it? It's seventy nine ninety nine a year. So right? maybe ten, maybe ten at ten dollars isn't Six, such a pipe dream then. Sixty nine ninety nine a year. Oh really? I thought it was. So yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was getting at, Matt. Is that I don't think ten dollars is too out there. Um, now maybe it'll be ten dollars American. Maybe it'll be like twelve bucks Canadian. Do uh, we pay? Know. Do we pay tax on that uh, PS? We plus? do now. You probably do now. Yeah. Sixty nine ninety nine times one point one three. That's fine, though. Like, I don't if it's I would have to do the math then, I think, and determine how much I'd look at the games. And then I would determine because to be totally honest, it's the same. It's the same thing with Prime for me. Amazon Prime is I use Amazon Prime so much that when people say that like they don't want to pay for it, I'm like, man, it's more than paying for itself for me in one month. I'm using Prime Video. And um, not only that, I'm also using a bunch of I'm, I'm getting shipments left, right, and center for myself and my entire family. So it's saving us probably $100 in shipping a month. Uh, I would estimate, anyway. It's been a while since I had to pay for shipping on Amazon. So like it, I can't even remember what the rates would be. But at the old rates, it would be like around $100 or $80, $90 a month. So that's saving me a bunch. With get Xbox Game Pass, uh, the only game I've purchased that I can think of in one year is, uh, sadly, Battlefield 2042. <laughs> and like even that, I mean th- that even though that was a waste of money, um, that was I'm still saving hundreds, if not like a thousand dollars. Not even joking, like probably upwards of a thousand dollars or approaching that a year in games because mm-hmm. it's like a hundred ish dollars per game. So if we just you know say approximately a hundred dollars because sometimes you get the deluxe edition or whatever, and ten games a year is not. I mean, it's quite a bit, but like, like, let's just say that that's not ridiculous if you're playing multiplayer titles. So, like, let's just say, let's just say to be conservative, eight hundred dollars. Well, Game Pass Ultimate's not coming to eight hundred dollars. It's not even coming to five hundred dollars. So, it's saving me so much money over the years that it just doesn't make any sense. I've only ever bought, God, I think it's literally been Battlefield and Call of Duty are the only games I've purchased. Not joking, since since I've got Game Pass Ultimate, I think that's right. Jeez. For the Xbox uh, consoles specifically, uh, even even if they bundle PlayStation 
subscription or whatever they're going to call this and a PlayStation plus together. I don't know if there's a price point that would allow me to keep this. Cause I want to, I'm trying to get, you want to get of off it anyway. I want to get it off it anyway. So there's very little keeping me on. Um, the only thing that would keep me on is if, if there's, because a uh, Gran Turismo seven is a constant online connection to be able to, to play. Unless that online connection requires a PS Plus connection, which would be fucking stupid if it did, then that becomes a problem. But other than that, like, like, like Overwatch is the only thing that's keep that's making me keep it. But well, how many, uh, or how much would you pay if we if we take out PS Plus uh, and all the modern games? How much would you pay for? A PS1, PS2 subscription service, maybe PS3 in there too, like retro. Like I'm, I'm not even kidding you, not more than four bucks a month. So then, if you added, okay, no, so <laughs> with that, five dollars, that's like yeah. four dollars, like, yeah, like 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 a five dollar is too much. I don't want to pay for it. So <laughs> then, so then, what about like if okay that? So let's say four bucks, and then how much for uh, PS Plus, which would be discounted at this point? I I don't know. Again, like again, like another like four very, bucks. Th- there's very yeah. There's very little that would get me to keep PS Plus. I'm trying to I'm trying to get off it. So you'd be like know. around my ideal price of like around ish, like nine ninety nine, maybe yeah. Honestly, probably 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 eight ninety nine. Eight if it went if it literally creeped into the nine. If I saw a nine point something, I would probably say <laughs> no. I don't want to do it. God, like I like I pay fourteen a month for Game Pass on PC already to begin with. Yeah, I mean, on top of fucking Netflix and Crave and Prime and Disney Plus and well, how many? Uh, but how many games are you not buying? Like that's ultimately with Game Pass. I that's it's ultimately weird, what it is. It's, it's weird. I still tend to drop uh, games every once in a, uh, quite a bit. Uh, like um, I bought a game. I bought Inscription on Steam. I bought uh, Hell Divers on Steam. I bought uh, a, a dedicated board game on Steam. Scythe. Uh, like that was all within the last two months so i still buy games on steam more than i i should be um i bought something on epic games too recently because i had there was a 14 dollars coupon so i just bought something for the hell of it i bought i bought the oh, lowest geez. thing <laughs> I, I bought the cheapest thing that i could find which was just above four, like uh 14 to use a 10 dollars coupon that would apply that i was kind of interested in playing so i try to minimize that purchase because just like like I've there's too many things I want to play elsewhere and I don't want to spend unnecessary money. So I don't know there's very little that would get me to stay in the PlayStation ecosystem. And in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have bought a PS five. Well, because, because fuck Grand Turismo seven is coming to PS four anyways. So there's, there's some kid out there who desperately wanted a PS five, but yeah, his name was Aaron Gallagher and I sold him one. That's right. You've had possession of two PS5s. Yeah, it's just, I got two PS5s. I <laughs> still one looking for one, and you've had two. <clears throat> All right, let's move on to our final story here. Uh, Ken Levine, anyone remember him? Bioshock? Yeah, that's right. Hey. Uh, so he's working on a new game, and he says people will be surprised, but unsurprised. It will be announced closer to launch. This is what that is, that is the the pitch that he had to give to investors to get through to the, to the next finance. That was his elevator pitch. He was like, listen, yeah. you're going to be surprised. You're going to be not surprised. 
All right, Ken Levine, the quarterly update. Where are you on this game? You're going to be surprised? <laughs> not surprised. You're going to so, be impressed? So it, You're going to be not very impressed. See you next quarter. In a new podcast interview with Arcade Attack, uh, Levine discussed his career leading up to the creation of Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite, while also sharing some details on his new game, which is uh, in development at Ghost Story Games. And he says, I think people will be surprised, but unsurprised by what they see in equal measures. But it is, yeah, it's quite something, quite interesting. And I'm looking forward to showing it to people. Uh, We didn't want to go down the path of showing the game too early because we thought it was going to be out sooner. And I don't want to have a long period of having build up interest and hype because it just doesn't, uh, it would end up feeling fairly inauthentic. And I think that gamers uh, would want to be, they want to know (laughs) what they're getting. The only way to do that uh, really is to announce closer to launch. Um, Yeah, I I, I don't know if you guys read that story that came out about his studio and all the kind of turmoil there. Um, Mm -hmm. But but it sounds like Ken Levine is a very... How do you how do they put it? I guess he he he's a, he pays attention to detail, but he also wants things a certain way, but then uh, isn't afraid ne- to toss it out. Neurotic, I think, is going to be the word. <laughs> sure, and so apparently a lot of the stuff that's that has been developed gets tossed out, and so you you develop the stuff for like months or whatever it is, and then it will just all get erased because they're like, oh, we want to do this now, and it's a bit chaotic there. It sounds like. Uh, also, according to some of the developers, that he uh, struggles to communicate his vision and alienates or browbeats subordinates who challenge him or fail to meet his expectations. Um, browbeats? Is that what you said? Yeah. What the heck does that mean? Uh, once I look it up, I can tell you. <laughs> I know generally what it means. I don't know the exact. You mean you've never been browbeaten before? I don't know what it means, so maybe. I bet you've been browbeaten. You Intimidate, realize. typically into doing something with uh, stern or abusive words. Ah, man! Yeah. After this, I'm gonna come over and browbeat you. What? Just, just for, just as a general, like you're just gonna do that concept, but you don't have like a request yet. I got, I got to keep you in line every, every, God. every other week. God, he oh, probably deserves it though. Actually, what? What's going on here? I'll, I'll sponsor this. Yeah, I'm being browbeaten. <laughs> I only just learned what it means. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tim, have you uh, have you did you play the Bioshock games? I uh, kind of like I I played it. I was like there with a friend as they sort of played through the first one, and then kind of there time and time again as they were playing through the second one. So I'm like I'm I'm familiar with how the games work and like you know the world and the characters and the concepts and a little bit of the story and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I have Bioshock Infinite, but I've never beaten it. I would I would go so far as to say I haven't really played it. I played like a little bit, but you, I haven't really played Bioshock Infinite. You are actually playing a very Bioshock-like game right now. Yeah, Prey is very Bioshock Prey, for sure. Yep, it's it's very reminiscent of the early, the first uh, one when you're exploring Rapture for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's very it's very cool like that. I really do have to get around to playing Prey uh, yeah. or Bioshock, but um, yeah, I I kind of wanted to. I was playing Infinite, and like it wasn't really like I, it's a good enough game that it does stand on its own but i really did want to pull an adriano petty and play the entire series from the beginning Yay. <laughs> because i just know that the first two games are also really good games and i'm like oh maybe i'll get some like little more out of out of infinite if i've if i recently play like the, one and two so the first the first bioshock is like in my top five games of that generation the 360 yeah yeah, yeah like when, when i when i think about early 360 i think about bioshock that alan wake and um 
can't remember the other one, but those two, those two in particular. Oblivion. But, yeah, I'm totally an Elder <laughs> Scrolls guy. It's a good game. Uh, how much you guys want to bet this is another Bioshock game? <laughs> it, well, it's not. He no longer works for uh, who is it? 2K. Uh, it's irrational. Games take take well. two. Yeah. Take uh, 2K Interactive was the publisher for. It yeah, could so it he, could be like something very like uh, Bioshock in space. Well, something like that, right? Because We Happy Pray Few kind of has a Bioshock feel to the trailers and such. Uh, from what I heard in that in that article talking about how crazy his studio is being run, um, uh, it kind of made it sound like they really want to nail that branching, you know, pathway type of thing where you can actually affect the world a little more uh, uh, to more effect than you've normally been able to in, in other games. That's got to be like, that's got to be really hard because it sounds super easy and it's probably the, well, it is the most easy when it's one pivot point. But when there's more than one, it's sort of like you get this massive branching path effect. And other games have tried it, obviously, and you kind of get like a quote unquote, a massive branching path effect that results in two endings <laughs> or something along those lines where I they know, kind of yeah. like reconvene. So, yeah. I mean, I guess if any time it's the time now because it's next gen and you could probably get away with it, you probably have the power to like manipulate the world more. But just the fact that they have to effectively build a game, you know, say 10 times uh, effectively to get all the story beats and, you know, the world's different in each one. Like that's got to be, especially if you're not doing something like a little, like a voxel game or um, something along those lines where like the world is changed by you regardless, like in Minecraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got to be a real pain, especially with story elements. Well, I am ready to be surprised and not surprised. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, so that's all we got for this week. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Tim? Yes, sir. Do your thing. Streaming on the Twitch uh, five days a week now, most uh, most weeks at uh, twitch.tv slash the sidetrack like we mentioned before i'm working my way through prey for the first time it's a totally blind run i don't know anything about the game uh and it's been a lot of fun and uh i've got something fairly big uh planned for next friday as well um that i'm going to be doing some multiplayer stuff with some friends and it's going to be probably a pretty insanely chaotic time and a lot of fun that i'm really looking forward to so keep an eye (laughs) out for that as well Cool, and you can you can catch us uh, Wednesdays at eight thirty ish, twitch.tv slash Patch Media. Probably playing Back for Blood or some zombie game. We seem to do a lot of zombie our, games. Something hey, co-op against a big horde of enemies. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> right. we'll see how hard this damn what is it nightmare mode. The last difficulty is. Yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.